Welcome to the Sugar Coated Dreams podcast. If you've ever daydreamed about running your very own baking business, then you're in the right place. I'm Lauren, the cheerful baker, and I'll be your guide on this delightful journey where sugar, passion, and entrepreneurship collide. In each episode, we'll chat with talented bakers, entrepreneurs, and cookie decorators who have transformed their passions into something truly magical. Whether you're a seasoned baker or just starting out, this podcast is for you. We'll uncover the secret behind successful baking businesses, share tips and tricks to help you level up your skills, and unravel the stories of those who've created thriving careers in the baking industry. Plus, I have an exciting announcement for all of our listeners. Introducing the Cheerful Box, a monthly subscription that brings joy and inspiration to your doorstep. Each box is carefully curated and filled with items to enhance your baking experience. Inside, you'll find a surprise collection of unique cookie cutters, clip art, and a stencil, plus an exclusive link to my online cookie decorating class. It's the perfect way to indulge your passion for baking and take your skills to new heights. So after you listen to this episode, be sure to check out the Cheerful Box. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to receive a monthly dose of baking magic delivered right to your door. Visit our website and subscribe today. Now grab your cup of coffee and let's get ready for this week's episode. Welcome to the Sugar Coated Dreams podcast. We appreciate you listening. And I have a very special guest today, Julie McAllister of Julie McAllister Cakes. And if you have not seen her work, you need to run, run to your Instagram (laughs) because you won't even believe that the cakes she makes are actually cakes. (laughs) So my gosh, Lauren, that was so sweet. Well, they look, I mean, they're amazing, Julie. And not only are you super talented, but so many of your cakes don't look like a cake until you get into them. And I think that's amazing. That's the goal, right? That's the ultimate compliment. So tell me a little bit, Julie, how did you get started in the baking world? You know, it's been kind of an evolution. I I've been a lifelong hobby baker, which was totally just a self-serving thing because I love to eat dessert. I definitely uh-huh. inherited that sweet tooth gene from my mom's side of the family. Uh-huh. So, you know, I can remember coming home from high school and, you know, my friends would come over after school and we would do every single day to uh, a box of Duncan Hines cake mix, like make the the batch of 24 cupcakes every yeah. single day. So then, you know, when I went to college, it kind of evolved to, you know, baking with, you know, in different friends' apartments and trying real recipes. And so then I got to grad school And I was in grad school for advertising, which you would think was like really creative and artsy focused, but it was actually really statistics heavy and so much research and everything. Yeah. So I was actually working on my thesis, just kind of like drowning and data and numbers and all of that. And I really needed some type of creative outlet. 
And I think it was, I can't remember if it was like good housekeeping or Southern living, but one of them had a photo of a Christmas cake and it was, you know, picture if you just had like a sheet pan and cut out different sizes of of squares kind of cascading in size and stacked them and decorated them with green frosting. And I saw it and I was like, oh my God, I bet that's so easy to make. So I made it and it was a complete disaster, like total (laughs) and complete epic cake fail. I mean, it it looks so terrible. I keep the photo because it makes me laugh so hard. But I was instantly hooked. I was like, oh, my gosh, cake decorating like this is my this is my hobby. And then basically from that point on, I just taught myself everything I could find about cake decorating, but every book I could find. This was definitely before YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pre-social media, all of that. And it just kind of slowly evolved. And I would slowly, you know, teach myself a new trick here and there. You know, what I find so interesting, Julie, is you said that you baked 24 cupcakes after school every day because, man, I miss that time of life when you could eat 24 cupcakes every day and not gain any weight. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where it goes when you're in high school. It just just like evaporates into something like that. It does. That is so true. That was my hobby. Any spare time I had, I was doing some type of cake decorating and So I lived in D.C. after I finished grad school for about eight years and, you know, just worked for a bunch of different ad agencies while I was there. And somewhere around, let's say, year five of living there, I started to get this pull of I love baking. I think I'd really love to have a career change to something in the culinary field. Mm -hmm. And so I started entertaining the idea of going to culinary school, but I genuinely just could not fathom taking out more student loans for culinary school before I had paid them off for grad school. Right. So I, there was a local bakery in DC and I worked out a deal with them. Like I, you know, I told them I was kind of having this crisis of career and passion and, you know, I was dipping a toe into culinary and I worked out a deal with them where every morning I went to work from 5am to 9am at the bakery and then went to work my 9am to 6pm agency job after that. So that was kind of like my, my real world culinary school. And it was just it was like a super Americana bakery, you know, like red velvet cake, chocolate chip cookies. So not necessarily cake decorating, but I got to experience baking from the commercial side. And it taught me a couple crucial lessons, the most important, the most important of which was that I never want to own a brick and mortar bakery. Like, I'm I do right not, there with you, Julie. <laughs> yeah, I do not want to own a traditional brick and mortar bakery. So that's why like my business now is studio-esque and order only. I knew that I wanted to pursue something in cake decorating. And I also knew that DC was too expensive of a place to do it. So shortly after that, there were two back-to-back blizzards that came through DC and I just kind of had this like snap decision moment where I was completely done with living in the North and cold weather and just Mm -hmm. picked up on a whim and moved to Charleston and got an agency job down here to kind of like get my footing and then officially started my cake business that I was doing on the weekends. And then it slowly shifted to where I started working part-time at my agency job and then doing cake stuff part-time. And then now I actually do stuff pretty much cake time. And then I just do freelance marketing on the side. So Julie, and you might've said this already, but I have the attention span of a fly. I'm very creative, (laughs) have no memory, and I definitely have ADHD. But what did you say that your master's is in? Is it graphic design? 
My master's was in advertising. Advertising. Oh, okay. That, I think that would be fun. And that probably helps you out with what you do now. It definitely helps. It definitely helps. And having that kind of whole career experience of working at different agencies helped out a lot too. It it was fun, but it's, you know, in your mind, you probably think like, oh, it's going to be so fun. You're working on these ad campaigns, but the actual program was just so numbers heavy and research yeah. heavy that that's, uh-huh. that's kind of what I was saying, where I needed some type of creative outlet. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it all, everything kind of folds into the other, because if I had gotten my creative outlet through that, I might've never started cake decorating. Right. It's so interesting, Julie. I took recently took this course about advertising and marketing and, and I love, I love the fun side of marketing. I love doing the ads and, you know, doing the TikToks and the videos and all that stuff. I think that's fun. But like you said, you also have to follow the numbers. And so I had to learn about Google Analytics and and no lie, I thought my head was going to explode. I thought this is not fun. I don't want to do this. <laughs> but you have to, right? You have to be able to know when you put ads out there by analytics, what is working and what is not. And I think when, when you are, like you said, in the analytics and sort of the weeds of numbers, it is good to have something that's creative. You use that other side of your brain. And I love the fact that you said that you got up early and worked at a bakery to sort of feel yourself out if that's something that you wanted. So you you took this sort of safe approach, which is exactly what I did. I started making cookies. I would get up before I would go to work and I would do it in the morning and I would do it at night because I just wanted to see, is this something that I really enjoy doing before I went full fledged into it? And it sounds like you kind of did the same thing. Yeah, you definitely have to kind of test the waters because it's, I mean, you, you can always change careers, but before you give up one career entirely, you definitely want to make sure you're making the right move with right. what what you find passionate in the world, especially yes. like owning your own business, because you're just, it's, I'm sure you can relate. It's such a 24 seven thing. Like you're literally never not thinking about your business in some capacity. Yes. So Julie, for those that have not seen your beautiful social media campaigns, can you explain <laughs> the type of cakes that you specialize in? Yes, my business now, I just make hyper-realistic cakes. So basically, I only make cakes that look like things that are not cakes. So I, It's you know, incredible. Okay. It's unbelievable. Because <laughs> I can hardly even make a cake look like a cake. <laughs> what is your favorite? Do you have one cake, Julie, that you look back on and you think, man, this was fantastic. Something that you're ex- ex- especially passionate about? You know, so, so many, my kind of thing that I'm known for is like Southern themed cakes and like Charleston and low country themed cakes. Um, Uh So whether that's like things or brands or whatnot, but uh, there's this there, I love all of them in different ways, but there's one that will always hold a special place in my heart, which is it was a hanging magnolia wreath cake for the holidays. And so it actually hung on the wall. And I think it had over a hundred paste magnolia leaves on there that had each been, you know, like molded and painted by hand. 
but I just, I just loved it. It was so much fun. You know, I'm not a good cake decorator at all. And it's really funny. I, I do not like, I do not like getting my hands dirty, <laughs> which is crazy because I'm very artistic and I do paint and stuff. I mean, <laughs> and when I was an art teacher, we got messy all the time, but there's something about the buttercream, Julie. I just can't do the buttercream. It gets all over my hands. It drives me crazy. <laughs> but one thing that I love, really love about cake decorating is you truly get to learn edible art because like when you said paste flowers, you, you, it's so amazing. All of the tools that cake artists use that are edible, that are exactly what I used to do when I was an art teacher that I translated into the cookie world. But boy, you really go all out when you're making a cake. And I think that's super fun. <laughs> Julie, so I know that you've been on a few different baking shows. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> so the most recent show was, it was a Food Network show and it was Holiday Wars, which is one of the, you know, just kind of your standard competitive cake decorating shows. And this is a team one. So basically each team is comprised of a baker, a sugar artist, and a cake sculptor. And so I mm -hmm. was the cake sculptor on our team. And basically mm -hmm. you're given these different challenges and you're tasked with creating these, you know, like two to four feet high giant cake creations. So it was a crazy experience and so much fun. I saw that and it was amazing. And one thing that I think is so cool and crazy is how long you spend in the taping process. Weren't you there for a couple weeks? Oh my gosh, it's so long. Yeah, that one I was actually gone for almost a month. That one filmed like very in the thick of COVID. So, you know, there was like a little buffer time at the beginning that where we're like, we all had to quarantine and everything. But yeah, this the stamina for these shows is I like people watching at home just have no idea how much goes into them from a physical level for the people involved in them, which I'm sure you can attest to because how long were you gone for yours? Well, only two days, Julie, and I was done by the end of the two days. I thought, I can't do this anymore. I've, I've never been so exhausted in all my life because it's not just, as you know, it's not just the physical work of standing and concentrating, but it's the, and I don't want to call it stress because it's fun. It's fun stress, but it yeah. still take, it still takes something out of you. It absolutely does. And it's different, you know, baking in your home kitchen for uh, like a 10 hour block of time versus doing it with 10 cameras pointed at you and you know, any yes. like, drop drop of frosting you do or anything like that. It definitely adds a, adds a layer of nerves. It's crazy when you think about, so you've got these eight hour windows, I think is what that one was that these mm -hmm. challenges take place on. Can you tell us about any fun behind the scenes stuff that happened on your show? I know that you said that there were some, you know, laughter and fun things for me, just for example, when I was on the Christmas cookie challenge, I fell. I mean, I was running 
and I completely no. wiped out, cracked my kneecap. <laughs> Probably should have oh. gone to the hospital, but I didn't want to leave. So is there anything fun that's happened to you <laughs> along those same lines? <laughs> No. Oh my gosh, you poor thing. No cracked kneecaps, thankfully. <laughs> Just a lot of like, you know, kind of dropping stuff and, and the moment kind of running around like a chicken with your head cut off type of a thing. But yes. there there was so much just joking around that we all did with each other. I They definitely had to cut that down because they couldn't just otherwise it would look like we weren't you know focused up on yeah. what we were doing probably a lot of nervous laughter too right because <laughs> it's oh my god kind of yeah. a high pressure kind of situation when you're on those shows well yeah and I'm sure you probably felt the same way I will never forget the feeling of the very first challenge and it and they say go and you're literally a deer in the headlights you're like wait is this actually happening aren't they gonna Tell us yes. what to do or no, no, you just literally show up there and you're like, game on. That's um, how it was for us. We we thought, oh, we're gonna stand at our stations. And then when the celebrity judges come in, we're gonna be introduced to them, and then you know, they're gonna tell us a little bit what to expect. Oh, no, no, no. It wasn't like that at all. They said Rhea and Eddie are coming in. We're like, oh, that's great. So they did their thing and then immediately they said go. And we're all like, what? What do you mean go? We have no idea what we're doing, which is why I cracked my kneecap <laughs> because I'm running around like a crazy person and I tripped and went flying across the room. <laughs> <laughs> What's the very first hyper-realistic cake that you made? I mean, what did you see one and think, I want to see if I can do that? Or what made you go into that That side of cake decorating so I guess in theory you could say the the Christmas tree cake that started it all was technically my first hyper realistic cake even though it was a complete disaster uh -huh. um, but like I was saying I was just I had so much fun doing it that I was hooked on it instantly I still can remember like the first cake books that I bought and there were so few so few about hyper-realistic cake design specifically. So, so much of it was just kind of like trial and error. I mean, now with YouTube, you can basically search for anything. You know, I want to make a cake of a purse and a hundred videos will show up about it. But mm -hmm. so much of it really was just trial and error. I don't, I don't know what it was specifically that, that drove me to it. I loved the art of the illusion Right. I, just something about that. It's just like the wow moment with people when they like their brain couldn't rationalize that what they were seeing was actually a dessert they were going to get to eat. Something about right. that, that feeling has really kind of sparked me to want to keep doing it. Yes. So what is, let's see, you started out with the Christmas tree cakes and then have you, have you since then made a super hyper realistic cake that's a little better than the very first one that you made of a Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> What's hilarious is that I've never actually uh, reattempted a Christmas tree. I've never thought about that until now. I should, add that, to to that. My, I should <laughs> add that to my list. Yeah, You should, because it would be inspirational for people, Julie, because oftentimes when you start doing something new, and you're on the struggle bus, you think, I'm not sure if I want to continue down this journey. 
And it's amazing <laughs> if you just put one foot in front of the other and read cookbooks, like you said, and, and watch videos and keep practicing and practicing how your skills can improve remarkably. So yeah. you'd be good inspiration for people. <laughs> You're so sweet to say that, Lauren. Thank you. Now tell me, I know you've been in several magazines too. One, you've been in HGTV magazine. Yeah, some of them have been features on me and my business specifically, and others have been features like a party setup that my a cake of mine was a piece of that party setup. Uh-huh. Um, so HGTVs was one of the latter. A lot of them kind of like snowballed from one thing into the other, like, you know, this one led to that one. So Lydia Menzies had a feature in Entertain and Celebrate a few years ago. Mm, I, I can't maybe 2020. Um, mm-hmm. But it was about like a 4th of July picnic party. And she had me create this pic- beautiful like picnic basket cake that was going to be the centerpiece of the party. And from that, that led to Entertain and Celebrate doing a whole feature on me for their Christmas issue of that same year, you know, and then Southern Lady. Yeah. And then Southern Lady did a feature based on that feature. So, you know, like, it's kind of fun how when one parlays into another. And so the HGTV one, that one was such a surprise because it was from a, a feature in a Charleston based magazine that had been like several years before in the magazine, I think had since gone out of business. But um, yeah, then it was resubmitted for it was like these miniature present cakes as part of a beautiful bar cart setup, like a uh-huh. holiday bar cart. And it just got re republished in like a holiday bar cart feature. And I, I just like couldn't believe it. Still couldn't believe it. So I wow. love stuff like that. How like you never know how each thing is going to lead to the next thing. It's all serendipitous that way. You're very right. And I think it's important for people that are listening to not be afraid to put your name out there and ask for those things. And I'm going to use Lydia as an example. When I saw Entertain and Celebrate magazine, the spreads mm-hmm. in that magazine are absolutely gorgeous. And I remember and the, the paper first- quality. It's so hard to find magazines with great paper quality anymore. Oh, it's like top tier paper quality. It is quality. truly. It is truly a magazine that you keep. You don't throw this one away. You keep it out. Yeah. Yeah. But I saw it and I thought, gosh, this thing is gorgeous. I mean, I loved everything (laughs) about it. I saw on Entertain and Celebrate's Instagram page that they had worked with Lydia. And I knew Lydia a little bit because of the supper club. Yeah. And I wanted to reach out to see if they ever needed cookies. And I was very nervous to do that because she really did not know me. The entertain and celebrate people didn't know me, but I thought, you know, Lauren, just do it. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. So I sent her an email and I said, if you ever need cookies for a photo shoot, I would love to design something and send them to you. And the timing was perfect because she said, as a matter of fact, we're doing a photo shoot next week and this is what we're doing. And do you think that you could do something along with it? And I'm like, yes, I was so busy (laughs) because I had not expected this to happen that quick, but I'm going to make the time to do it. 
And so I, I spent so much time because I wanted these cookies to be beautiful because I was hoping they would be in the magazine. But also, I just appreciated the fact that Lydia gave me the opportunity. Yeah. And so I made these cookies and I packed them up and I sent them and and lo and behold, they were in the magazine, which oh, was I just love it. I love it. Such a thrill. So I think if you're out there listening, don't be afraid to contact people because Lydia was excited that I contacted her because she did not have cookies and she loves using cakes and cookies <laughs> with her parties. You do that one little thing and it can lead to bigger and better. And a friend of mine contacted me and she said, Lauren, do you have a publicist? I'm like, do I have a publicist? I mean, I thought that was funny. I said, no, I don't have a publicist. Why would you ask? And she said, well, I saw you in the magazine. And I said, well, it was because I just asked. I, yeah, I, there is something so thrilling about seeing something you've created in a print publication. It like is. It, no, it's no disrespect to anything digital, but it, it, there's just something about that holding it in your hands that will never, never be matched to that. And I, yes. I think that's what makes it seem so daunting so to speak, but I am a hundred percent with you. Like you just, if you just ask for it, it's crazy how sometimes these things just come into play. And right. I mean, honestly, just surrounding yourself with people that genuinely want to help other people. Like Lydia is yes. so, she is such a rare gem of someone that genuinely wants to help other people without any, any expecting anything in return. Like she right. just genuinely wants to see people succeed. And that's such a rare quality, I think, to find in people. But just so grateful to her for all the opportunities she's given me. Oh, I, I'm right there with you. We love you, Lydia, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> so Julie, what is the very first hyper-realistic cake that you made? The first was actually, it was like a tree stump with an axe sticking mm. in it like you uh -huh. had just hit the axe in the tree stump and then when you cut into it it was like a red and black gingham pattern the cake oh my was. gosh that sounds incredible it was, it was so fun so adorable I look back on it now and I like kind of cringe like oh my gosh I could have made that so much better but at the time I was so just thrilled with myself for yeah. making making that happen. And it just like kind of took off from there. And the time that goes into making cakes, I make, like I said, I don't love making cakes because of the buttercream on my fingers, but which is so <laughs> weird. I mean, I think that's so bizarre because I am a messy person. I paint, I do all <laughs> kinds of things, but something about that buttercream. But when my kids were young, I always made them a special cake for their birthday because I loved doing that. It was kind of the star yeah. of the show. And I thought, I don't need to pay someone to do this. I surely can do it. And then two weeks later, when I'm still working on the cake, you know, I'm thinking I should have just paid somebody. <laughs> but I remember I made this Harry Potter cake one time and it was the hat that's in Harry Potter yeah. and the wand, the sorting hat. And Julie, it took... I mean, I'm not kidding you. It took me forever. And when I see the incredible cakes that you make, I think, how long does that take her? <laughs> oh my gosh. I I believe it that it took forever. It's that's like the number one thing. Like usually people are kind of taken aback by like the price tag with the cakes and it, you know, it 
it doesn't happen in a short amount of time. Like I would say on average, most of them are in the ballpark of like 15 hours spread over two days. But a lot like if they have sugar flowers, then you're talking like 30, 35 hours all in. You make the Ferrari of cakes, Julie. <laughs> so have you ever made cakes a cake for anybody famous? So I got to make Reese Witherspoon's birthday cake a couple of times, which I Are was you so- kidding? No, it was it was pretty much the most amazing thing ever. It was her clothing brand, Draper James. Yes. Does they're based out of Nashville and they do this epic celebration. It's like a week-long event for her birthday every single year. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first time was in 2018. Yeah, March 2018. The way the week celebration works is they they usually kind of loop in a couple different artisans for different things. Like they get a watercolor artist to create like a specific card and painting for her and things like that. They create a limited edition dress, like they create wow. a purse that's the gift for her. Uh-huh. They hired me to create this cake and like create a recipe for it that they could then share with like readers of their blog, which I think might not exist anymore. Ow. But it was a replica of that bag, the bag Ow. that was her gift. So it wow. was it was such a fun treat. And then so that was 2018. And then last year they actually had me do the bag for that year then. So yeah, I got to make her birthday cake twice, which was just the coolest, coolest thing ever. Did you meet her? <laughs> I was just going to say a follow-up question everyone asks is if I got to meet her. And I actually did not get to meet her for that, but I did get to meet her through another event. So I have a photo of her and I together and I just, she's just the cutest little person ever. Like just so beautiful in person, but just so sweet. And you just are like, can we please be best friends forever? (laughs) You know, one of the most fun cookie related things that I've done since I've become a cookie maker is Draper James contacted me. This was probably four years ago and they were having the Draper James in Lexington, Kentucky, and they were doing a team building event and they wanted to know if I could come up with something for their team building event. So, you know what I did, Julie was so much fun. I made these little cookies that looked like little girls And then I gave them fondant. I gave them edible markers. I gave them all the edible art stuff. And then I iced the cookies. And then what they did is they created their own line of dresses that you could eat. So do you teach classes, Julie? I do. That's something I actually have started doing over the past year And Mm -hmm. it's like really picking up steam. I actually have a few really exciting ones coming up, but they aren't official official. So I don't want to, I don't want to speak before they're kind of like signed on the dotted line, but uh, it's in and around Charleston. Hopefully there's going to be one down in Miami too, but yeah, kind of all over. I just, the one I was just teaching was part of Lydia's supper club soiree in Birmingham. That one was so much fun. This group of women, you know, some of them had never baked or decorated a cake before in their lives. And I was Uh so blown away. We created these like picnic baskets filled with fondant flowers. And I mean, I'm going to have to show you the photos. These people just absolutely blew me away. They were doing basket weave patterns with buttercream, fondant flowers, like perfect. They just all looked perfect. So I, I really love it. 
I've just, like I said, I just kind of started doing that over this past year, but I, I'm so, so in love with that. And I really am hoping to do a ton more classes over, you know, the rest of 2023 and then really kind of stack the deck with that in 2024. Well, I, I think, I mean, I think that that is exciting and I'm ready to pack my bags and come to Charleston to take one of your classes. <laughs> it when you were saying it's it's interesting to me you were saying that a lot of the women had never done any type of cake decorating but they really got into it. And I don't know if you have found this Julie but I find I teach lots of cookie decorating classes and there's a lot of freedom in creating art that's not permanent. Um, yes, I think it absolutely. enables people to not, they just, they can be more creative. They can experience mm-hmm. more freedom of ideas because I used to be a painter and I would paint these paintings that would actually go in a shop. And I, that was, it was fun, but there was also a lot of stress associated with that because I thought this is permanent. You know, whatever <laughs> I put on this canvas, <laughs> it's not changing. And right, it's for life. Yes, but with a cookie or a cake, you just eat it. I think that's what's fun about about edible art. You can be more creative oh gosh, because yes. it's not permanent. No, and that was so well said. And honestly, anything short of a wedding cake, people are so much just like willing to go outside their comfort zone and try things that they have skill sets they never even thought they would have before. And it's like taking that first step, like, you know, piping that first line of buttercream or something. It's like, that's all they need. And then they're just like, oh my gosh, this is fun. And it's the, like you get the reward of eating it at the end. They just fall in love with. So Julie, do you have a favorite cookbook that you use whenever you were learning to, to bake and decorate cakes? I, so I'll say the first illusion cake cookbook that I ever picked up was, it's called Confetti Cakes. And I, it might not still be in print. I'm confident you could find it on Amazon, but it's Elisa Strauss. She owned a bakery in New York and they were one of the first ones to create, you know, like purse cakes and sushi cakes and things like that. Um, uh-huh. And yeah, that, so that kind of always has a special place on my heart as that's where I learned some of my like very basic how to work with fondant skills and things like that. Right. I, so yeah, if you, it, if you wanted to to research cake decorating cookbooks for hyper-realistic cakes, I, that's 100% where I would start. Have you ever thought about writing a book, Julie? I could see that in your future. I think you should do that. Oh, I would love to. I would absolutely love to. I've got, I have it all mapped out for how I would do it. But you just let me know if you come across a publisher that wants to publish my I've, book. I've, uh, I've written a book and published a book, a children's book, and it's not easy. How did I not know that, Lauren, that you published a children's book? That's amazing. What was the book? Thank you. I don't share it a lot. I did it. The very short version of the long story is my son has dyslexia, my oldest son. And so he struggled a lot as he was growing up. And one day I was just sitting and I was, this story came and I'm not a writer, Julie at all. I'm, I'm creative. I'm I'm not a very good writer, but I just sat down and wrote this little story and I showed it to a friend of mine and she said, Lauren, you need to turn that into a book. And I thought, thank you for saying that, but I don't know how to turn anything into a book. And then COVID happened and I 
got it out of the drawer and I thought maybe I'll learn how to illustrate this because I am artistic. And so I got into this group of you would try to improve your drawing skills by doing a prompt every day. And I quickly learned, Julie, that I am not that type of artist, but I found (laughs) an amazing artist within this group. And so I just reached out to her and I said, have you ever illustrated a book? And she said, yes, but it wasn't a very good experience. I said, well, can I send you this little book that I have, or it wasn't a book, this story. And I said, I really, all I want, all I want is a book to give my son when he graduates from high school. That's why I did it. I never intended to publish a book. I just, he really struggled. The book is called The Boy Who Lost His Colors. And it's about a little boy. It's the story of my son. He was really happy when he was little. And when he started going to school, I mean, the best way to explain is he turned black and white. He just became unhappy because he was so frustrated And so I took him out of school. I homeschooled him for years. We did lots of things to try and get him to have his color, be happy again. And by the end of the book, and when my son graduated from high school, he had found his colors again. That was his high school graduation present. And so I, I think you can still buy it on Amazon. I don't talk much about it. It's probably the thing I'm the most proud of, but I didn't do it to sell a book. I did it so that my son would know how proud I was of him. That's absolutely one of the best things I've ever heard. Now, did he know that you were writing the book or did you surprise it with him surprise him with it after it was done? I was going to surprise him, but every time mm-hmm. the illustrator would send me a picture, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I said to her, I don't care what you do. I really don't. I love your artwork. Whatever you send to me, I'll be happy. Well, every time she would send me a page, I would cry because if I could draw like she can, it's exactly, it's exactly what I would have done. And so there was one in particular that was the most, I mean, it's the most beautiful illustration. And I was so moved by it. I just had to show Caleb because I just was so touched. And so I said, and I can't keep a secret. So I said, listen, I'm writing you this book. (laughs) I'm not going to show it to you, but here's one of the illustrations. And he, he was thrilled. And I gave it to him when he graduated in the parking lot right after he graduated because Because I didn't want to see, I didn't want to see his reaction because I thought if he, if he doesn't like it, you know, my heart and soul went into this (laughs) and it was just, (laughs) it was, I had written something in it. It was a little bit of a, I wanted him to have the private moment of opening it. So when he, I called him later and I said, what'd you think of the book? And he said, mom, I loved it so much. It made me cry. And I thought, oh, it was worth it. So I understand publishing a book. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Oh, I definitely. Yeah, you said it perfectly. The thing of having something to last beyond you, like something physical in the world. That's that's definitely the pull that I feel as well. Yes. Well, one of the coolest things, and we've totally gotten off topic, listeners. I'm very sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Probably the coolest experience besides me handing him the book 
was when I went down to my local library and I looked it up in the card catalog. That was cool. Oh my gosh. I hope you just like <laughs> that whole moment framed somehow. That's, oh, it's, it's that definitely framed in my story. mind. Oh my gosh. So, no gift in the world will ever live up to that. <laughs> well, my sweet Joshua, who I love more than life itself, he's my younger son. And so many of my friends are like, when are you going to write a book for Joshua? <laughs> he knows I love him. And I'll think of something else special, but there will be no more books in my future. (laughs) So we know that we can expect some classes and maybe a cookbook. You have anything else that you want to share with us that you have coming up? Oh, so I'm in the phase right now where I have a lot of exciting things. I've been working on them and I can't talk about them yet. So I, I understand I'm that. This, I understand I'm that. in this weird limbo where everyone's like, what have you been doing? And I'm like, I've been doing a lot and I can't tell you about any of it. So Isn't that the hardest thing for the Christmas cookie challenge when they called and told me that I had made it and then they said, you can't tell anybody. I thought, what? <laughs> That filmed in January and then aired the following November. So it was almost a year. I mean, it's you're just sitting on that news for a long time. I know. I don't know about you, but whenever they told me that I could finally share, it was 10 o'clock at night and I literally called everyone I'd ever known. And I'm like, I'm sorry I'm waking up, but I have some really exciting news. <laughs> I think mine was something similar. I always usually get to do a lot of really fun holiday projects to round out the year. And then weddings. I do a lot of grooms cakes. So October and November Mm -hmm. is like peak Charleston wedding season. So just trying to wrap that up and make it, make it through the end of the year. Yes. So the purpose of me doing this podcast is so people that are out there like you and I, who love to bake or are creative, who have this dream of turning their dreams into realities will maybe hear your story or my story or someone else's and think, gosh, if they can do it, maybe I can do it too. So if you had a few words to tell someone who is thinking, who has that dream of starting their own cake business, what kind of advice would you give to them? I think this would be a combination of two things that we already talked about. So One, I would say if you're like kind of dipping a toe, but not sure. And, you know, especially if you're like not, you're worried about like the financial commitment or something, I would just, I would suggest, highly suggest going to work for someone else in some capacity that will allow you to test it out. Um, Even if Mm -hmm. it's just on like a simple project basis. Just so you can, you know, especially with holidays coming up, a lot of times catering companies or event companies will hire people for extra, extra events. And, you know, maybe they need Mm -hmm. someone to make a special cookie for something or a pie or a cake. So I would say definitely reach out to people to, to test it out. And then, you know, in the vein of what you were saying about, you just reached out to Lydia, I would say if there are people in the industry that you follow and you admire just shoot them an email and say, you know, hey, I love what you're doing. I'm so curious, like how you got to this point. Do you have any advice for me? I like you have found that people have been so just so generous with their time and knowledge. And all you do is ask, like, 
just so surprised when you reach out to people and just genuinely ask them for insight or knowledge. They just are so willing to share. Yes, I find this. Uh, and I, it makes you feel good. It makes like when someone reaches out to me, it makes me feel really, really special that they care enough about what I have to say. So I agree. Reach out to people that you admire. And the vast majority of people are thrilled to share their knowledge with you. Julie, thank you so much for joining me today on the Sugar Coated Dreams podcast. And I hope to see you soon. Thank you, Lauren. All right. I'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Sugar Coated Dreams podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed today's chat and don't want to miss out on future episodes, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform. We release new episodes every Thursday. If you enjoyed the episode, please take a moment to rate and review it. It would mean so much to us. And remember to check out the Cheerful Box. It's the perfect companion to help you unlock your creativity and help make your baking dreams come true. You can find it at www.cheerfulcutters.com. So until next time, keep dreaming big and never underestimate the power of a little sugar and a whole lot of passion. I'm Lauren Jacobs, and this is the Sugar Coated Dreams Podcast. Thank you.